A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. To buy the Square Ball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In Square Ball Podcast 23, a.k.a. Deadline Day Snodpod, well, this time we revisit the Portsmouth game that nobody saw and the Bradley Johnson goal that nobody saw coming. We analyse the transfer window comings, but mostly goings, and we don't actually mention Snod much. Hello, welcome to Square Ball Podcast number 23. And just the way Richard Keyes and Andy Gray like it, this is officially a woman-free zone since 2010. And three very strapping young men in the studio. Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. Let's be manly. Yeah. And we won't get caught up in trying to explain the offside rule. We all know that we know it. So uh, let's get straight on. Comfortable in our football knowledge. Exactly. Don't need to show off. With the important stuff. Uh, Issue 6 of the Square Ball magazine now on sale. You can buy it via the brand new look website which contains our fantastic new shiny blog that can all be found at thesquareball.net. We'll tell you more about that as we get on into the podcast. But we'd like to hear from you as well. Get in touch by email, podcast at thesquareball.net. Find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Headlong into it then, whitewatching up first. And we've got two games to cover in this. It feels like an age ago now, but the uh, Arsenal Cup replay, the 3-1 defeat at Ellen Road, uh, is covered in this particular uh, fortnight of games. A couple of Wednesdays back. It was the game that we feared the first game would be, wasn't it? We didn't get a chance in the tie that time, really. Soundly beaten. Not as badly as I thought we might be after the first uh, 10 minutes or so when they got the early goal. I, I was fearful of a 5-0 type result, but we, we pulled around a, sort of just about into respectability in the end. Smashing goal from Johnson. You would have thought would have signed a premiership deal by now with that <laughs> goal, but obviously not. Was there a single person in the stadium when that ball left his foot who would have backed that to go where it did? Probably not even Bradley Johnson. <laughs> I, I, I did like the comments that he made uh, um, afterwards. That he's, uh, he, he spends a lot of time in, in training uh, doing those shots. Liar. And then Grayson followed it up by saying, most of them end up in Weatherby. I quite enjoyed it when they were doing the, um, the after-match summary as well. Um, Adrian Charles wouldn't stop going on about it as well. And Gordon Strachan at one point just said, yes, Adrian, it's the best goal you've ever seen. As if, <laughs> I've seen better, but... You. You're a West Brom fan. You won't have done. Yeah, nice to see Bradley. Law of averages dictated that he, he would score one eventually. It was going to happen once. Yeah. And, and against his, uh, he used to play for them, didn't he? So that's nice for him. Something for him to remember. Not for their first team, I don't think. <laughs> he might score another like that one. No, let's no, face it. No, it's not. It's... Well, we don't know. He might not be a Leeds player come the close of this podcast because we no. are recording on um, transfer deadline day. If you've Sorry. been watching Sky Sports News today, been assaulted in the face by blue and red captions all day. I thought you could see me the sword in the face by Johnson. I was wondering no, where no. you were. What, what he'd been up to. Let's leave the Johnson and go back to the arse, uh, Noel. Um, great goal from Bradley Johnson. And we did give him a good test, didn't we, in the end? We, we gave him a bit of a workout in the second half. There was some pride there. It was um, It was that early goal that killed it, I think. Had we had got to half-time, I think we'd have held our own a little bit more. Well, not necessarily. I think if, if we got to half-time at nil-nil, we might just have sort of fizzled out a bit, whereas going down... 2-0 and getting one back and a goal like that might have sort of made a bit more of a, a thing of it but then we did just fizzle out anyway so maybe I'll just ignore that I disagree I think Yeah, <laughs> I think I disagree as well but. In both games it was I mean just as we were looking 
like we might get something out of them, they brought on incredibly good players, which seems a bit unfair. It's <laughs> not <laughs> the spirit, the Corinthian spirit <laughs> of the game, is it? It's somebody suggested on Twitter that we were being a little bit unfair in the last podcast about how we performed at the Emirates, saying that Arsenal sort of thoroughly better team and all that. Were we being a bit unfair? Maybe a little bit, but I think equally, it's just we were just being realistic. I don't think any of us were slagging the team off as a result of that. I think we were just saying. At the end of the day, they're to use a football cliche. They are a far better team than we are, and there's no shame in them being better than us because you know their team costs millions of pounds and it's been put together over ten years, whereas ours has been thrown together over the last sort of year and a half. Biggest thing to emerge from the night, then I guess, was the fantastic atmosphere at Ellen Road. Couldn't get a ticket. <laughs> no. um, I'm sure everyone who was there enjoyed it. It's, it looked good on the television. Yeah, it was very good. I was I was got in a bit of a argument with an Arsenal fan on Twitter afterwards because I was saying that I didn't hear the Arsenal fans at all over the two the two ties, and he was saying they were really loud at Ellen Road. Which, but in the cop, honestly, you couldn't hear them at all. I didn't hear them once, apart from the goals. There's something about the Cockney accent in a strong wind. It just kind of it's like the levels just cancel each other out, and you you can see the mouths moving, but you can't hear anything so it could just be that all their all their wit and wisdom was whipped away across over the west end into beeston <laughs> i was trying to th- i was going to say it was weatherby but that would be the other way yeah fabregas liked it but then he would having having to play at the emirates every week it's a sign of how much this sky generation is sort of sterilized and killed football isn't it um you said on the last podcast about how nice the emirates was i mean we may find that if we go if we get back into premier league we're playing as ken bates said if we're playing the arsenals the tottenhams and the uniteds every week message to ken that's us <laughs> um but anyway he might have just been using it as shorthand for saying sort of Newcastle United. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, we'll have been talking about When did people, that. when I say people, <laughs> footballers, start pluralising people? You know, you've got your Fernando Torreses and your Gerrards and your Lampards. There's only one of each of them. Apart from the Nevilles. Apart from the Nevilles, which is a shame. <laughs> and that's too, too many. <laughs> but anyway, when we've got these, um, these bastards coming every week, we'll probably sell out against... Arsenal and against Scum and against Liverpool because we'll be excited to see them again and then they'll just turn up as Arsenal did sit on their hands very quietly and it's going to be a bit of a letdown we've, you know we've fought back for for years to 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 play these these people and they don't they're dead they just they're dead inside yeah. <laughs> too busy having noodles and four pound handcrafted pies well we'll get a, a shock when they see the catering up here but um Let's get a chicken body pie. Do Southerners eat ones. gravy and chips? I don't know what Southerners eat, Stan. Crudités. <laughs> Whereas we just have dripping, dripping on toast. <coughs> dripping on bread, not toast, we can't afford toast. <laughs> I just say, and talking of Fabregas, he did seem to get a lot of protection from the referee as well. That's oh, a very good some point. some stupid bookings we got there. Housen's booking was the most annoying one, because it, it, um, the referee had just left it, but then it's, it seems to me like one of the Arsenal players came over and said, it's Fabregas. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Bloody hell. You, come back here. It's Fabregas. You kicked him. Yeah. But yeah, you, they just couldn't, we just couldn't go near him. It was either a free kick and then if it was a, a proper tap, it was a bucking. Yeah, that was annoying. I find it really annoying the way that referees, and you see them and they're chatting to players by their first names. All right, Fabby. Yeah. All right, Fabby. Hey, Rio. Rio. What's, Good what's, game today. What's wrong, with the, um, what's wrong with the rugby system where you refer to everyone by number? That would be... That would be good. Yes, and the, the players would have to call the referees sir. Speaking of numbers, actually, it was nice uh, to hear the cop chanting, that's why you're 52 at Bentner. That was a, that was a nice moment. <laughs> and the other um, um, highlight, personal highlight for Lloyd Sam, who um, was his nutmeg on Bentner, which oh, um, yeah. next saw him log into Twitter, found him retweeting every reference to it that he could find <laughs> on the internet, um, and including a video as well, which he was like, everybody look at this. Good which lad. Was, which was quite nice. He was so excited about, about that. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Speaking about... A good, um, a good nutmeg. Epitaphs on gravestones, will that be his? Lloyd Sam. He once nutmegged Bentner. I don't know, I quite like Lloyd Sam as a player. I think he's doing all right. So Arsenal snuffed out uh, the light on our FA Cup... Charge, can you see where this is going? Snuff film? <laughs> <laughs> I was on about the lights rather than the snuff, but anyway. Oh, OK. Uh, and obviously we went down to Portsmouth uh, the following Saturday. 2-2. That makes it 5-all on aggregate now against Portsmouth. Floodlight <laughs> um, failure, which was what I was uh, I was angling towards very cheesily. It was a shame as well, because we did sound like we were on top in the second half, and it was breaking up the momentum in a bit of a annoying way. But it was one of those things. It wasn't Portsmouth's fault, by all accounts. It was power station people who are probably Portsmouth fans. That guy with the bell, it was his fault. 
And we have to say that second down because none of us went. Yeah, it is worth pointing <clears> out that we have to front up, don't we, and say that none of us were at this yeah. game. So we're basing it on some very low angle TV highlights. Yeah. I, I it's a fucking long way, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that, that there are games that just very few people can get to still in this day and age because with there being saturation coverage and everything being on internet stream and on Twitter and stuff, the fact that there is a game that only maybe the 2,000 Leeds fans go and they're the only people who actually really truly know what happened. The rest of us have heard, but we can't say for sure. <laughs> it's it's like, it's like when there used to be a Zenith Data Systems Cup match or something and, and there'd hardly be anybody there, but and you'd know it was happening and you'd hear about it, but it wasn't quite real and that's how the Portsmouth game is kind of... Why have they put the, the TV camera on the floor? Maybe they've run, they haven't got a building there anymore. I don't know. Weird thing is, LUTV highlights, higher position. I don't know what the deal is there, but the BBC had their camera on the floor. Because someone's goal sounded good on the radio. <laughs> and I, I tried what, watching it on the Football League show. and Outside view. Yeah, it was a crappy like pub style <laughs> video <laughs> camera on the sidelines. Man with a camcorder <laughs> and a touchline. Although that Nick was from um, YouTube. Yeah. That was one of the things that was nice about the um, race for the title video was all the footage from from uh, dugout side. Right, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But um they didn't seem to they fell for a hap- an unhappy medium. But yeah, Summer's goal I can confirm good strike on LUTV, bad strike on the BBC. <laughs> and Luciano's fiftieth goal for the club. Good on him. And um I noticed that the club in his honour of um offered 50% off Becchio 10 shirts at the club store, which raised an interesting question if he ever scores 100 goals. We're going to offer a, <laughs> 100% off your uh, your Luciano Becchio shirt. I look forward to look. I'll, I'll see you that day, Ken. I'll, I will be down. But yeah, it is, only, it is only off the name printing. That's worth mentioning. Is it? The shirt yeah. itself will be 100% more expensive. <laughs> really? They're still charging full price for the shirt, but you just get... Yeah. What if you got it on one of the shirts that are on half price? They're obviously flogging because there's a new top coming out. What if you take your own shirt? <laughs> you just want to put, put it directly that. on my back. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing all right, really, Luciano, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, a good season in the Championship and then half a good season in the Premiership. And we can maybe expect a bid from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll be moderate. Yeah. Although that goal wasn't fumbled in, as the Football League show described it. Bundled in, sorry. It was, said. It was a perfectly yeah. normal. Passed into the net, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Good on you, Lucy. And after the uh, the sanitised visit to the Emirates, it's nice to go to uh, an old, proper, run-down, well, we dilapidated... Didn't we just said that we didn't... <laughs> Not our fans, the club. Well, how do we know it was nice we for them? They may have hated every minute. Oh, right, it was bloody awful. Let's move on. <laughs> As was the defending for their second goal, where I think it was Bruce and Connolly just had a little cuddle and let Utaka run through <laughs> the middle of them. I'm not sure what... I've no idea what they were doing. I've watched it loads of times. And they just kind of run into each other, hold hands a little bit, and Someone then... call a group hug. <laughs> <laughs> and Utaka's gone from Portsmouth as well now, hasn't he? Has. His personal website is still worth looking at, though. It, it, when you um, open it up, it has a quite a cheesy um, funk track, but played on a Casio keyboard. That <laughs> plays. It's, uh, and then there's some amusing photographs of him showing his lighter side, like, dressed up in um, in funny outfits. And how did you find this? A friend of mine sent it to me a while ago. Searching for what? There was no search involved. Just a friend of mine. It's, it's, it's just been passed around. I'm sure all our listeners have probably already seen it. We all news to them. So as it stands, we find ourselves sixth. Are we happy with that at this stage of the season? We've had a bit of a wobble. It's been a um, it's been a wobble in terms of dropping points, but there's been a lot of draws in there, so it doesn't quite feel like there's anything wrong. We did have an element of that last season where we we kept sort of justifying we're doing all right because we do keep picking up draws. But then it went on for month after month after month, and then we won't get you don't get promoted with draws. Oh, that's I've just made that up, probably. Yeah. <laughs> we're looking at the table now, though. We're seeing Forest who've overtaken us, and they've got games in hand. Do we feel like we're slipping away from that automatic thing, or is it now just a case of starting out on another run if we can uh, start picking up points? We've always been realistic and said that the automatic spots are going to be very difficult. And when you look at the teams that are up there as well, I mean, Forest and Cardiff and um, QPR have all strengthened in this window as well so they were always going to going to be the main competition for us and they, they still are I, I think a playoff spot would be brilliant this year we were doing quite well to be second anyway um, so for it to have slipped away a bit is not the end of the world relegation would be the end of the world and it seems fingers crossed touch wood etc that's not going to happen it's just that thing of when you get yourself into that advanced position that you start to look above yourself and think, well, we might just do this. Yeah, well, we've Wait, already discussed about Liverpool and Arsenal coming next season. Yeah. Ken's already crowing about it, how we're going to have them back. So, um, yes, everybody is getting carried away. It's that expectation thing we mentioned a few pods back. 
we were taking mid-table this season, first season back up. To get into the playoff places is a, a bonus. To have been second for a while was a bit giddy. <laughs> uh, but realistically, we would have taken mid-table, I think. Definitely. Especially Play- after uh, Preston and Barnsley. Yeah. Playoffs were the absolute limit of my expectations this season. I, I didn't think for a second we could get an automatic spot. So to have been there even briefly was uh, was unexpected. But we're not right good in playoffs. So there is that. Would seventh be better than fifth? <laughs> my my ridiculous um, promotion prediction is based on us getting in the playoffs and winning them. I know. Let me just write that down. <laughs> yes, we've, we've got it. It's gone been it's mental. been yeah it's it's been recorded for posterity in this podcast. I don't know. I guess I will to to bring us into the next section of the podcast. A lot depends on what happens in this transfer window, so we may as well move on to that, and we'll talk about that now. Here we are then, transfer deadline day. It's 7.30 at this particular moment as we are recording this segment. Um, so the window is not yet shut. It's open for another few hours. Lots of ins and outs. I'll go for a quick run through of uh, of, well, of the ins. This is going to be quite a quick one. Um, obviously during the window, we've brought Andy O'Brien in right at the start of the window on a permanent deal. Uh, Gonzalez coming in from Man City, Colombian goalkeeper. Um, and that's it so far. On the outward bound train, Andy Hughes obviously gone off to Scunthorpe. We will uh, we'll cover that in a little more detail uh, later on. Uh, Grello went to Motherwell, then straight back again. Ad White's gone on loan to Oldham till the end of the season. Alan Martin released, um, who joins the list of keepers who've never played. Um, Fede bissone has gone now to Charlton on loan until the end of the season uh, with an option for a permanent deal at the end. Crow's gone now to Leighton Orient. Will Hatfield's on loan to York. Liam Darville. Now York, Tom Elliott released, has gone to Scotland. And the latest one, uh, Neil Lilla Collins, has uh, gone to sign for Sheffield United on a permanent deal, which was a bit of a shock. Right, pick the uh, pick the meat from those bones, gentlemen. Well, we've stripped most of the meat off, I think. <laughs> Are we down to the bones? <laughs> it's mostly, and the, the stringy old meats that nobody was going to, uh, was, nobody was going to pluck off this particular turkey. Um <laughs> Anytime soon, anyway. <laughs> Go on, carry on. I'm quite pleased at how quickly Freddie Bassoni's um, come in and gone out. I think the only <laughs> the only downside is that um, his permanent move is only an option, so he's got to impress Charlton if he's, if he's going to be gone for for good. I reckon Paolo be stood outside Grayson's door with a receipt. <laughs> on the- but uh, and then um, Crow as well, who uh, we needed rid of. Alan Martin. Shit was getting sad there. So more <laughs> Alan Martin. And, um, we should get him on here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we'd have to get a high chair for him. <laughs> he was going to reach the mic. And then Tom Elliott's gone to Hamilton Academical, so yeah, rock bottom of the Scottish Premier League, which he, he, he could blossom. Retired by Christmas. <laughs> so let's let's look at it from a, a summary point of view then. Really good to see them clearing what is effectively the deadwood out of the squad. Players who weren't going to feature all the ones we've sort of taken the mickey out of on this podcast, all gone. It's the lack of incomings that's a little bit concerning, is it? Or is it? It is a little bit, but we all, we already got O'Brien, who's a big signing, and McCartney's committed for the season. I think people just like to see things happening on the last day because it's expected now. It's become a big circus as the, the, sky spots, as, as the, the transfer <laughs> deadline day, so people just want stuff to happen, even if... like. The, People were just pleased today that we signed that keeper, even though everyone was like, well, we've got a really good keeper anyway, but it's yeah. something. It becomes a, a topic for like really deep analysis when it's clearly like, well, Martin's gone. This guy's about, else. yeah, three three good keepers. We'll be all right. And there is, there's still time before him, A, before the window shuts tonight. And we have, I mean, um, Blackpool Gazette have <laughs> reported that Keith Southern is over for talks, who is an experienced um, midfielder that Grayson knows very well and was, I think, was League One. Um, or championship player, or Blackpool's player of the year at some point recently. So he's um, so that, and the Michael Johnson room is still going around, and also there's the mutters about the emergency loans. So we may we may get something. We're just not going to get that big fifty million, thirty five million <laughs> stupid signing that everybody wants. Thirty five million. Pence. Although um, Sheffield United have got the big stupid signing that they, perhaps they want <laughs> with Neil Collins going. We spoke, didn't we, a couple of times back? Sorry, I was going to say about statistically about uh, that we've lost and conceded an absolute boatload of goals with Collins in the side. So it, it came a little bit out of the blue because Grayson seemed to, you know, want to give him a chance. But obviously, maybe he feels that now maybe Bromby's back up to fitness and he's got Bruce and O'Brien now permanent that one of them 
he could lose. And I think at the start of the season it might have been Bromby was rumoured to be leaving, but he's managed to play his way back in. What does it say about Leeds United's transfer policy then if we've signed Collins for cash in the summer and he's gone? I wonder if it's a lot worse than he thought. Only four or five months later. I wonder if we're doing better than we thought we would. And for where we now want to be, we've just changed our aspirations slightly. And we thought Collins was fine for keeping us up. But now we're maybe looking to think, all right, well, if we are going to be in the playoffs, let's get Andy O'Brien in instead, who's a Premiership defender rather than a League One defender. I'm sure we couldn't have started the season thinking we'll have Andy O'Brien by January. Can't have been the plan. They always talk about how they've got a lot of players on a list. Um, I see that's the way it works, that when they've to get one it's a bit of a shit <laughs> that, was, that wasn't what we meant to do and then they have to they have to make room I think there's going to be there could be some more loan signings after this window closes but the problem is in, in not getting a, a season long or remainder of season yeah. long loan in before the deadline is that they can't play in the playoffs so if it's all geared towards the playoffs mm. then we need to make it happen before 11 o'clock tonight it's probably worth inserting a caveat and saying that it may yet happen before 11 o'clock tonight, so by the time this goes to air, we could have signed someone and this discussion could be I, for irrelevant. one, welcome the fact that Ken Bates has finally come through with Messi. He's been banging on about, <laughs> about us wanting him for long enough. So, And the way the recording's gone so far, we could be here at midnight. <laughs> We're just stringing it out until the window closes. It is a bit worrying that both Bassoni and... Uh, Collins effectively came in the summer and now Christmas has barely passed and we've we've left them like unwanted puppies in, uh, in a shoebox Charlton, in a shoebox in Charlton and Sheffield. Um, I wonder if we I wonder if with Collins as well maybe we weren't necessarily looking to offload him but if if Sheffield United have come in and expressed an interest Grayson might have just thought well yeah might as well might as well get rid now while while there's a taker because we've seen with all these players we've paid off like with Mikulik and I'm sure Crow's probably taking a bit of money to leave some of the higher earning ones it's, it is better to get rid of some players while you uh, while you still can there was an element of that with um, Andy Hughes as well where they said that they weren't planning on um, getting rid of him but Scunthorpe got on the phone and made an offer and so put it to him and, and decided it was the best thing to do so it sounds like all our players have a sale <laughs> <laughs> it's good that we've lost a load of players and the squad doesn't appear to actually be any weaker yeah because half of these have never played, for, not certainly not in any uh, in any meaningful sort of way. They might have, some of them have had twenty minutes here and there four years ago. But um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think we need to worry about anything really. From no, the, the we won't rely. We won't rely on Tom Elliott if Becky gets injured and Alan Martin. They've been on the phone to me before Martin played. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worth noting, I guess, then unless it happens in the next couple of hours, that uh, Bradley Johnson's staying until the summer. Good, we think. Uh, I think it is good. It, He's looked quite he's, impressive. He's still only young. Uh, he's developing as a player, isn't he? So he's perhaps got a way to go yet. It depends on if anybody does come in as well. It is a bit of a an unknown because the rumours are about players in his position um, coming in. So if we get one of them, um, he may be shuffled away. But at least he doesn't seem to be causing any any real trouble with it. Sometimes when players are, are on transfer lists, they they seem to be angling for moves and not playing as well. But he's playing well. Well, I mean, the goal against Arsenal. Playing very well, but um, not speaking so well. <laughs> Stop talking to talks, Paul Bradley. <laughs> yeah, we have sort of let the silliness happen around us, and um, um, I think um, Grayson has said at the press conference today that there's a lot of players we want, but none of them are for sale. So we might have to look at them online and just see what's there. But we've not got the kind of squad that's really crying out for. I think that's what part of it is as well as jealousy. We've not got the kind of squad that's crying out for players. But then Forrest have just got Koncheski from Liverpool. And um, Leicester are signing everybody, and um, other teams are, are spending money, and would sort of look at us and think, "Well, well we only bought any more players. <laughs> we want players." It is true. That's about that is about the size of it. Yeah, it's jealousy. Green eyed monster to bed. Then um, other stuff that's been happening: fixture changes. Swansea game on Saturday, the twenty sixth of February, being brought forward to a twelve forty five kickoff. Blimey, that's an early start. Cheers. <laughs> and another one that's been moved and then moved and moved again is the Forest game at home. First it was moved to a Friday night for coverage by the BBC and then they realised that it's probably going to clash with songs of praise or something, I don't know, and they've moved it again to uh, a Saturday lunchtime. Another early kickoff, but again, we're on the telly, a bit more money. Clash with country file now, I don't know what they're playing at. So, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it moved again when they realised that that's on. It's going live still on on a Saturday <laughs> lunchtime, maybe... Philip Schofield will complain that he doesn't I want think to lead into... I it's the swap shop they do now. Oh, OK. 
phase four of the away tickets went on sale. Computer system predictably went into meltdown uh, again due to unprecedented demand. I mean, I don't want to sort of start chucking bricks at Leeds United here for this, but why did everybody see this coming apart from the people? They always blame the demand, but then every time it happens, they blame the demand. There's only so many times you can... Blame the demand. you (laughs) You can blame other people for your own error. I can see the point of it because they probably don't want to splash out on an expensive system because it does only get used for one day of one day every three months when that's, there's, that's when there's ever a, a decent you, number of people on it. That's through choice, isn't it? You could spread the ticket applications out across the course of several weeks. It's, it's only because you're forcing people into four bottlenecks a season that this happens. I think the best suggestion was on the uh, the forum where someone suggested season ticket holders, then members apply the, uh, after that, which would seem to make sense because it would at least stagger it to a reasonable extent. It got there in the end. You might only crash instead of just burning to the ground like it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's worth saying it's never actually completely broken in the same way as it did. It's normally been slow, but I've normally managed to get all the applications off within 45 minutes rather than two and a half hours. It beats queuing all night on the West End car park, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's look at some of the player issues that have happened. Ramon Nunes comes back as a winner of the Foreign Cup and MVP, most valuable player in that particular trophy. Well done, Ramon. Bodes well. I'm sure he's... He- as a, as a boy, dreamt of being MVP in the Foreign Cup. What was? Do we do we know the name of the actual name of the cup yet? Because last time out we didn't. We don't know it, but we have got it written down. Um, so, uh, the the Copa Centro America, which I think means Foreign Cup. In- <laughs> <laughs> Features giants as El Salvador, Guatemala, real big big hitters, fo- footballing giants, heavyweights. Yeah, they um, they beat Costa Rica in the final. There is um, there's a lovely picture of him that you can see. Um, I think it's on the lead side of him receiving his trophy. He looks a little less enthusiastic than that photograph of him in boots um, that when he went there with David Sommer one day. So By hair gel, I imagine. Maybe, or maybe he was buying some... Um... Yeah. Um, also getting applauded, Casper won player of the round in the FA Cup third round. Isn't that just a fix that they get people to vote in on a premium phone? Fo- I mean, um, nothing? I don't know. I don't know. I've not heard let's, of it. Just, uh, let's not even get started on ITV. Um, Neil Kilkenny now back from Qatar in the other foreign cup. Sounded like he had a miserable time, but got a runners-up medal, so he had a miserable time and was declared a loser. <laughs> Worthwhile trip all round, so now he's... He's back and he'll probably be really tired from all that sunbathing. Yeah, they reckon he won't make the whole game. Probably be too much, too much of a culture shock going straight from Qatar to, to Hull. To, that's more oppression than one person can, <laughs> can withstand in a, a short amount of time. We've spoken uh, on quite a few occasions now about uh, Twitter and Leeds United players on Twitter. We wondered when it would start to unravel and there have been a few signs that you know things are getting a bit unruly. Uh, on one occasion, Simon Grayson via Leeds United's uh, head of media, Paul Jews, told Lloyd Sam to get to bed when he was up tweeting fans before... Uh, for a game. Lloyd, that was because Lloyd Sam was carrying out an interview with Bradley Johnson over Twitter, wasn't it? But at like half past ten. And I noticed um, after he'd, he'd gone to bed that about an hour later there was a quiet, just checking in and then just checking out again. So he'd not, he'd not gone to bed. He'd probably pretty, he'd pulled, he'd turned the light out, but he was obviously <laughs> him and Bradley were having a midnight feast. <laughs> Isn't it disappointing how Leeds United players have gone downhill now? <laughs> up, up at eleven o'clock on Twitter. They used to, they used to be out assaulting members of the public. <laughs> We're going to get a nice reputation here. <laughs> Other one was uh, Alex Bruce had a bit of a go at a Sun journalist who wrote a nasty article uh, about his dad, and he did that via Casper Schmeichel, which again you suspect not the wisest move. No, and and Cas- words may have been said indoors, you know, behind closed doors. Sorry, Casper's a bit of a feisty fellow on this thing because he spent all of the journey back from the Portsmouth game in a slanging match with a scum fan from Essex. And he also, he complained uh, quite rightly about somebody turning up on his driveway wanting a wanting an autograph. He called him a sad git, I believe. Oh, is this your perfect. John Lennon moment, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't sign his copy of Catcher in the Rye. So, uh, <laughs> but fortunately, he, he, he yet lives. But if he carries on um, using Twitter that way, he may live, but without his Blackberry. Um, that might be the punishment that awaits him. It is. It's a strange world we live in when these uh, we're all glued to these personal dramas of our goalkeeper. You never had that with John Lukic. You'd never tell what he was thinking. John Lukic. Imagine John Lukic tweeting just off for a haircut. <laughs> Going round to mum's for the, for the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Good news coming out of Leeds United. Then, if you fancy uh, a bit of a run with Eddie in the Leeds 10K this June. 
they're now accepting applications for that. So you'll be raising money for the Jane Tomlinson appeal and splitting the money 50-50 with the Leeds United Foundation, which is what has replaced the Football in the Community Project. Um, the Leeds 10K run takes place on Sunday, the 19th of June. You can download your application form from the official site right now. A well-worthy cause. And do any of you gents reckon you could outrun Eddie Gray? Probably not, sadly. No, I don't think. Even if he started dribbling around in a funny pattern, I'd still <laughs> be left in the dirt. And finally, a quick mention for the Leeds on the Road event in Hampshire. This was at Fairham Working Men's Club, I believe, and they did a Leeds United on the Road uh, event uh, attended by various players, and Gwyn Williams was there. And some of the information to come out of that, uh, one of the noticeable points was that they may be scrapping the reserve team if we don't get promoted. Good sense, bad sense? Sick of playing Gateshead by the sounds of it. Yeah. It, is a, it is a stupid little league. Is it Hartlepool and Middlesbrough? Yeah, you have to play on their fi- on their fixture list and I think it, it does seem to make more sense that we, we just, just organise our own games. We just had a game with Lincoln Reserves moved because I think they'd got into the local cup and yeah, I think they're throwing up their hands and say we'll just play friendlies. Although they do try and sell at your season tickets slightly on the back of you can get into reserve games for free. So oh. to take that away, I want a £3 refund for each, <laughs> each ticket. <laughs> Not that I go to all the reserve games, but in theory, you could if you want it. And finally, it was rumoured on Waco uh, that noises were made about the, the future of, of Thorpe Arch and maybe the club might be looking at other options. Well, it's just the same bloke who reported that back about the um, the reserves mentioned that um, Gwyn Williams had said um, that it it may not be cost-effective to buy and bring Thorpe Arch up to Premier League standards and that it, we might be better off getting a, a, a disused school and, and gussying that up as well, which is very odd. And we've I've written a long thing about it on the, the New Square Ball blog, uh, which is probably the best place to, uh, to read about it all. Because um, Thorpe Arch, since it was sold under the Krasner regime, we've been... Ken Bates has been banging on about buying it back for um, six years and has got nowhere near um, doing it. And now um, to find out what everybody who goes anywhere near it says is a top class, um, it's going to be used in the World Cup. The standard of facility is apparently more expensive to bring up to the Premier League standard than a disused school would be. It's odd and it's worth, although if, even if it is just perhaps Gwyn Williams misspoke or, or misheard, it's always a good idea to... Um, to start asking these questions before uh, the down place gets sold for housing, for example. We can always or, uh, chuck some turf on the old car parks and take it back there. So one notable departure in this transfer window is Andy Hughes uh, on his way to Scunthorpe. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Made himself into something of a cult hero. Um, gave a very moving interview to Yorks Radio on the way out. So we thought in this bit we'd talk a little bit about cult heroes. And first of all, let's talk about Andy Hughes. 
wasn't just a notable departure, it was a heartbreaking departure. But why? This is the point we're making. Why was it? Because he was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I felt sad about it is because it felt like we were moving on and it was... It's hard to explain. It feels like breaking up with a girlfriend that you don't particularly like anymore, but you but you feel bad about it because <laughs> you've been together a while. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of history there, and you've had some good times, and you know it's for the best. But it doesn't stop it being a bit upsetting. And you've always got that memory of her being carried shirtless on the shoulders of a load of blokes. Well, <laughs> 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 she well she pumped her arms and yelled, and it was that feistiness is why you got with her in the first place. Well, it's what the fastness is, is what we wanted from you in the first chest. place. I think on the forum, actually, I likened it to a family pet being put down, an ill family pet. Because <laughs> you know it's for the best, but it doesn't stop it being upsetting. I feel like we had some good times with Andy Hughes, and he'll be, be sincerely missed. I quite enjoyed the number of uh, pictures that we were able to produce of him bleeding. Um, I've forgotten just how many bloody heads he'd, uh, he'd, he'd got him. Most of them probably um, a better defender would have would have kept out of that kind of situation. <laughs> but we're on the day when um, Torres and Andy Carroll are moving for stupid money, and you know Andy Carroll's going to be injured when he gets to Liverpool because he fell off a bar stool just after he'd ordered thirty Jaeger bombs. I can imagine Andy Hughes falling off a bar stool and ordering thirty Jaeger bombs, but he would probably then still play, and he wouldn't be doing it because he's a millionaire. He'd be doing it just because... He likes Jager bombs. He likes Jager bombs. I can imagine him falling off the stool sober. Exactly. It just feels like a little bit of... Andy Hughes seemed closer to a fan. Yeah, you did feel he was one of us. He did live the dream. Not that Risdale's dream, obviously. The more proper dream. There was the the Leeds United on the road event that you went to when he was speaking at that and he was talking about um, some fan at a dinner in Ireland who who'd yelled at him for not getting promoted, for it looking like we're going to bugger up promotion. And he said, when we get promoted, I'm going to find that fan, I'm going to shove it up his ass." <laughs> it actually, um, he was actually bothered and gave a, gave a toss. Not enough players give a toss. Maybe the fact that we all like Hughes is just a sad indictment on the rest of the idiots that play football nowadays. But Is he one of those band of players to whom Leeds will be the biggest club of his career? I mean, that's why we like him, because he, he, he loves it so much, or loved it so much rather. Well, yeah, it'll be the biggest club he ever plays for, and he's he's noticed as well. A lot of players, it'll be the biggest club they ever play for. I mean, I think of Kevin Nichols came from Luton to play for Leeds United to captain Leeds United, and then halfway through the season, just thought, oh, actually, I don't fancy this much. Um, whereas Andy Hughes, in his interview when he was going to leave, he, he described his wife being upset because she knows how much upset he is, and then Eddie Gray got upset, and Tom Kerwin's <laughs> crying. <laughs> it's just been all the listeners on the radio. Are, are, a, a weeping and and yeah he, he actually worked out that um, he was never going to play for another team like this so fuck you Norwich and <laughs> 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 Scunthorpe as well but um, yeah he realised what was going on and, and did his best to live up to it in the same way uh, Prutton as well I guess he uh, gave that heartfelt letter didn't he the, uh, the, the, the it's been a privilege letter <laughs> and all that that people you know it's nice to see footballers with awareness is this the point yes I think the nice thing with Andy Hughes as well is that at the start of last season, a lot of people didn't expect him to really get any games because Parker came in, he got injured straight away and then Hughes made the left-back spot his own and he played there throughout a whole season and he was an unlikely hero, but it almost made it even nicer that he was doing so well there for the fact that he's a right-footed midfielder. Yeah, he should have been terrible at left-back and occasionally he was. But, but only occasionally. It was generally speaking, he gave a good account of himself. But a lot better than some of the left backs we actually had. Well, yeah, exactly. The, and the thing with him is, even when he was having a bad game, you knew it wasn't because he couldn't be asked. And that's important when you're watching it from a st- from the stand that you're not thinking he's not got that ball because he's not really bothered about getting that ball, or he's hiding from it. Yeah, you know he wanted it, and that's just a, that's as important as someone being really good sometimes. Well, that showed in his reaction after the Bristol Rovers game when he. he Hoisted aloft, like I mean the 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 video clip of him just with his head back screaming, and then doing one of the more violent. I'm sure when Glenn Snowden invented the lead salute, he didn't intended <laughs> it to be quite as uh, as strongly um, strongly done as that. Yeah, that I mean that Bristol game will go down as one of our certainly one of our more famous moments of the last twenty years, and he's the image that certainly I'm left with from that day. It's him in front of the cop, and it felt like a it felt like a, a proper joining of the players and the fans, which you don't get very much anymore. It felt like his he was feeling the same thing as us, which was nice. Yeah, and that was um, something that came through in his language in that interview as well, when he said that his aim was to to achieve something for 
Leeds United and that was getting promoted and how happy he was to have done that for the club. It wasn't, I wanted to get promoted, I wanted to get a medal. It was, I wanted to do that for Leeds United and it's a subtle difference but an important one. It's also worth saying that contrary to one or two naysayers, um, shall we say, that there's not one person in all this reaction who said that Andy Hughes shouldn't have gone. It's a point you made on the forum, Michael, wasn't it? It, it was the, It's the right time for him to leave. He's not yeah. getting game time anymore and now we do have left backs and right backs and central midfielders he's not needed I think that's part of the shame of it because we're we're used to seeing players leave when they outgrow us rather than it being the other way around and I think I almost feel a little bit guilty that we've had to let him go I feel like we should have just kept him on (laughs) because because he's he's been there for us so we should maybe be there for him and it does show as well that for all we criticise players wanting to move on and better themselves that's essentially what we've done that in this case we've just said well, Andy Hughes said it himself. He said Andy Hughes isn't going to make Leeds United any better. And <laughs> Sorry. God, I'm breaking up. Was there a sense of that going back to a Wilco's team when he built the team for the championship with Vinnie Jones as well? Because he was only here for a season, basically just over, and yet he really ingrained himself as, as a Leeds legend. Not, you know, he didn't do anything. He got a tattoo. Amazing. He got a tattoo. He smashed in a fantastic goal against Hull. He sparked thousand a thousand haircuts. Yeah, I had the Vinnie, but you know, it, it's. It's just down to that being part of a certain thing, isn't it? A certain movement. And I felt again, I felt a bit sorry for Vinny as well because he, he could tell he loved Leeds, he loved playing for us, biggest club of his career. And then it's an unsentimental business, isn't it, really? He was no Gary McAllister in the end, was he? So it changed. We had to sort one for the other. It happened during O'Leary's time as well when we lost all the the kind of gritty Graham era players like Molinar and Harland and David Weatherall, players like that who served the club really well and not cost us very much, but all of a sudden they're getting moved on for Michael Jubry. And let, well, and let us never forget that it was Peter Ridsdale who, on signing Seth King Johnson, said that it showed that we'd moved on from the Molinars and Weatherals of this world. And I still feel proud of the fact that every Leeds United fan um, who heard that went, shut the fuck <laughs> Idiot. It's like who, and then immediately just made him aware that actually we loved Molinar and Weatherall because even though we didn't have the best team in the land when we had them, they couldn't have played any better than they played for Leeds United, and we appreciated it and don't want any of them being bad mouth. Ridsdale, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just touching on Alfie Harland as well. He carries a bit of a special place in our hearts, doesn't he? The weird thing with Alfie is he's managed to do it at every club he plays for. Does to, and I don't know if he's turned into a bit of a. a a tourist of his old clubs, but he turned up in the cop this season. And there's um, some great videos on YouTube of him um, at West Ham in with the Man City away support, and they're, they're cheering him up and down um, the bar underneath the uh, underneath the steps at half time, all singing Alfie Harland is a blue. And I imagine him to have like a I don't know yard of ale in his hands or something. It's you know? virtually people are <laughs> trying to give him drinks, and he's being bounced up and down, and it's just some. And it's because he was his, he was one of these players again. He seems to realise. There's a privilege that, that they're enjoying and there's some payback. Well, the ultimate story that Harland, as soon as he left Leeds, the first thing he did for them was uh, help them lose 4-0 away at Charlton and then he bought um, a tank of petrol for some... For Roy Keane's house. <laughs> Sadly not. <laughs> for a, a, a bunch of City fans who were driving back, he just apologised for the, for the shit game and and paid their petrol so they could at least get a, a saving. To go back to Hughes, actually, some players as well, when particularly away from home after they've been beaten or just walk straight down the tunnel, Hughes, whether he'd played badly, whether he played well, would always come over to the away fans and, and give them a clap for being there, which I think is the least you can do, really. When, Like we say, places like Portsmouth and Exeter that people travel hundreds of miles to get to, to then have the players kind of go, oh, sorry about that, and just <laughs> trudge off. It's fairly disappointing, but he never, he never shirked in that in that way it takes balls to do that actually yeah. especially when you've been beaten yeah you always did that at home as well as one of the last players off you'd always do a full lap of honour or dishonour whether we'd won or lost and if he scored a goal he danced like a robot <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame we never got a, a proper chance to say goodbye really because he just sort of walked off at the end of the game as an unused substitute and then was gone forever <laughs> and I doubt we'll see him next season either no well um... but didn't he get man of the match in his first game as well yeah it's only Scunthorpe though the rubbish <laughs> yeah <laughs> So thinking about other cult heroes of our time, someone who's written themselves into Leeds folklore, probably for being a bit mental, Ian Baird, who was uh, who was a rough house during the uh, during the eighties, wasn't he? Famous well, for his, fam- I, I think you <laughs> just nailed it there. Famous for his house. sort of drinking and his like tough tough approach on the field. And no teeth. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, but again, one of those players who put his head where the ball should be, uh, not afraid to get stuck in. A hard player, probably a very hard player to play against. But one of those players that you just you feel he's playing for the club, like you'd want to do. If you if you were any good at football, you'd try and be that passionate about playing. And I seem to recall that. I don't know if this is just my memory playing tricks on me, but I'm sure I remember a match in the 80s and we were playing on Ellen Road and it was an absolute pudding of a pitch. And he put the ball towards the goal and it stuck in some mud, but it wheeled away ready to celebrate. And I don't know if I've uh, if I've remembered that by accident or made it up or whether it really happened. I can't remember that. I do remember he, he was winner against Newcastle, though, in the promotion season, 1989-90. Head at close range, 1-0 at home. Big game, that one, and a big match. Just while on about the ball sticking in the mud, I remember David Rowcastle making a back pass that just stuck on the half on the eighteen yard box, I think, for Ian Wright to score or Probably, have yeah. a good attempt at scoring. That was uh, but moves on to another player who Yeah. Um another sort of cult hero. Yeah, there's that class of players that you maybe put Hughes in for most of his time who didn't actually play all that often but for some reason yeah. were popular and stay with the fans. And Rowcastle was kind of the, a bit of an opposite to Hughes and he was just really nice about everything. Wasn't wasn't wearing you know, it wasn't out getting a Leeds night tattooed on his forehead and he wasn't yelling around the, the pitch every game, but he's just like, yeah, Wilkinson's ignoring me, but <laughs> I'm just going to be nice about it and, and hopefully get a chance. Correct my dodgy French on this, but he became something of a, a core celeb, didn't he? He was, uh, because Strachan was looking a little bit aged down the wing and he, he had a dip in form and people were saying, why have you spent £2 million on this replacement? And £2 million was a lot of money back then. It's a record signing. Yeah, and not playing. And it was uh, a little bit strange. And he got shunted inside, didn't he, to central midfield? And where he played well. When he played on the wing, he played well. When he came on as sub, played well. It was one you couldn't really explain. But yeah, he became. A, um, I think everybody was just quite impressed with the fact that he just didn't go mental and try and end Strachan's career or something. Just yeah. accepted his accepted his lot. And then we swapped him for David White. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> David White reminded me again, a bit like Darren Huckabee, of a sort of Forrest Gump character running dead fast in a straight line. Yeah, he lost his pace by the time he came. Away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind him, David White though. He, that was in that sort of that a lot of the sort of mid nineties players that, that like Pemberton. He's always used as a bit of a, a joke signing of Wilkinson's. But I remember it was solid. It was yeah, really it was, solid. It was no Beasley, but it was all right. <laughs> well, Beasley was just centre back, whereas Pemberton. We probably ended up playing him up front at one point. That own goal just... against PSV was a thing of uh, a thing of absolute magic. Lobbing is lobbing your own keeper from about forty yards. Don't undermine my happy <laughs> memories of Pembo. <laughs> That's the only. I've just remember watching that as a as a kid growing up. Just thinking, why is it? Why has he done that? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's not very good. But he was again. He was. Um... It was solid. Well, but that, it got that got to the point where we were like, oh, another one from Sheffield, oh, another one from Sheffield, and he actually turned out to be pretty good. Dependent. Yeah, I think he was a good player for us. It, I think he had a lot of the um, the Hughes characteristics, and that he was uh, not an outstanding, no particular outstanding qualities, but made up for that with effort and was all, always willing to work. Another unsung hero from that sort of time, perhaps a little bit earlier, Carl Schutt. Goal in Barcelona against Stuttgart. I used to pretend to be Carl Schutt in the playground. Now you still can by getting a job in Thomas Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Meadow Hall? That Meadow Hall, to? apparently, yeah. 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 Not that we're stalking Carl Schutt or anything. <laughs> I imagine Wilco books all his holidays <laughs> through him. That was a lovely moment, his goal. It was not just brilliant, we've beaten, uh, we've beaten Stuttgart, the Cheats, um, in this weird game of the new Camp, but Schutt, he scored. <laughs> I was like really, really pleased that he'd, uh, that he'd made it, because he was a perpetual substitute at that time. Came on for Cantona, did more than Cantona in that game. Better than Cantona, I'd say. <laughs> Going back a little bit further to the sort of uh, the olden days as it is to, to most of us except Oddie um, something of a cult hero from the Revy team Paul Maidley tell us yep. about Paul Maidley grandfather <laughs> tell <laughs> us sit down children tell us sit our down. wise one <laughs> he was a lovely man and I once worked in his house or rather my dad did and I went along as a accomplice yeah. <laughs> 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 incidentally if you want to buy any medals <laughs> no go on then tell us about Paul Maidley's house um, yeah. it was a lovely house and he looked after us, very, uh, very much a gentleman. Nicknamed the Rolls Royce players, wasn't he? Cause he? He was just effortless when he was playing. Played pretty much most positions. I was say, did you find when you were in his house that he just popped up in the bedroom and then he was in the kitchen? <laughs> and <laughs> and um, Moscow, you're you're a fan of Bates, aren't you? <laughs> Mick Mick Bates in particular. Well, Mick Bates was the Reavy player that never played because he was the uh, in the days of substitutes you could only have one, and he was it. And yet everyone always comments on the fact that he he. 
never wanted to leave. It was like his his role was just to sit on the bench and then if a player got injured or if we needed to just make a change, he would just have to go on and fill that gap. And he did it for years and years and years and never once complained and never once tried to get a move away. And um, it's, that, it's that little commitment, even though you're, you're not... You know, technically, in the uh, in the first eleven, he needs managed to make himself a, a Leeds legend without being a first team player. Is it mental that I'd like to see a return to one substitute? <laughs> I I would prefer. It seemed like to see it. It seemed a backward step, but at the moment, it's too easy for clubs to, as Arsenal did, rest loads of players, but then have them on the bench and yeah. bring them on. I'd like to see him have just Fabregas on the bench, and if the keeper gets injured, <laughs> so be it. The little short asses in goal. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the um, another one we could include in this. So he wasn't quite as uh, dedicated to Leeds, but someone who. Didn't get in the team with Steve Hodge you in the championship season. You had the one to eleven that we could all could, all could name, and then the um, the bench would be Hodge and Shut or Hodge and Newsom or um, Hodge and Whitlow, but it would always be Hodge and somebody else. After, Quite an underrated player, I think. It was England international, wasn't he, when he, he came a, to us? Yeah, we spent nine hundred thousand on him, and I think after two seasons of sitting on the bench, he was a bit pissed off. <laughs> but um, but he certainly he played a, an important part in the uh, the championship season, just with. Cameos. It's goal against Liverpool when we when we beat them early in the season, and it's suddenly the first time we've beaten them in years and years. And the year before, they'd given us that five four drubbing. It was that goal that everyone thought we could do something now. So yeah, thank you, Andy Hughes. It was it was memorable, not always for the right reasons, but it was good anyway. And um, yeah, he's written himself into Leeds United folklore a little bit, hasn't he? Just a little bit. He'll have some, a special place in our hearts. Some of the happiest memories of recent times. And Moscow, you've written something of a tribute to him, likening him to the spirit of Billy Bremner, the uh, side before self. Yeah, we've um, it's gone up on the the new Squareball blog. It's not comparing him to Billy Bremner because that would be stupid, but sort of comparing his um, attitude towards Billy Bremner, perhaps towards the attitude towards Billy Bremner that we all have, where he sort of realised what he was about in terms of side before self and lived up to it, which is really, I think, whenever we have a, a player comes to Leeds United that. They're not going to be as good as Billy Browner, and especially if they're not if they're Andy Hughes. But as long as they aspire to that philosophy, and um, they're not going to go very far wrong. If you'd like to read that posting on the Squareball blog, point your browser at thesquareball.net. On the way this next fortnight, then it all starts tomorrow on the first of February with the trip to the KC Stadium, taking on Hull City. Then we are quickly followed on Saturday by Coventry at home and then Bristol City away on Saturday the 12th. So up first, big Yorkshire derby for one team anyway. They love us really. No, I don't think we should have anything to fear. We should have beaten them at Ellen Road. We can beat them there. But Ian Ashby's gone as well now, so he's not going to smash Becky yeah, he's, head into. He's been there forever as well and he's decided to uh, up sticks, hasn't he? But not surprised because he's got to deal with Pearson every day. And he's horrible to ask this He's going to the bright lights of Preston as well. The glamour never ends. <laughs> now, I mean, they've picked up a bit of late, haven't they? But I don't, I don't see why we should uh, go there expecting anything less than, than three points. But it's just the Huddersfield thing, isn't it? It's the, the, like the Eastern Huddersfield. The haters. We beat them last time we played there, I think. I think I'm remembering this right. Alan Thompson this. scored a free kick there in, uh, when we went down. I think Possibly. we won 2-1. OK, we'll go with that. Yeah. Same again. Well, we can't contradict you. can edit it out when uh, <laughs> yeah. he looks it up on Google. Yeah. I think, I mean, wouldn't the whole be more comfortable in the Dutch third division, really? It'd make a bit more sense, I think. Oh, in, ter- more, in terms of location? Yeah, I'd be more comfortable if we were in the Dutch third division, certainly. Just another horrible place to go. Mm. It, I think it really irks them that there are so many Leeds fans as well over that way. Yeah. And it's another sellout, another Leeds game away that's yeah. sold out. And their ground won't be sold out for the game after or the game before. They should be thankful. But it, wor- it worries me slightly because um, I've got tickets for this, or so Michael tells me. But unfortunately, they've been uh, lost in the post, so I'm having to collect some duplicates when we get across the hall tomorrow. I'm sure that'll be simple. I mean, the people who work at the Hull City ticket office are bound to be of a, an intellectual demeanour who could not make any sort of errors around away I, ticketing arrangements. I get a feeling I'm going to have to bang on some perspex until some little claw comes out and hands me a... Possibly a crab claw and we a withered ticket. Probably what's going to happen. It's just struck me that if Ashby has gone to Preston, then he's optionally spending time with Phil Brown, <laughs> which I find an odd decision. <laughs> Following maybe him around the country. Maybe he's running low on fake tan, who knows. <laughs> so, uh, return of Gary McSheffrey to Ellen Rhodes on the 5th on Saturday. Yeah. You'll get a nice welcome yeah. Been re- from one of us, certainly. <laughs> Been researching his progress since we last... Uh, we last met Gary McSheffrey because before the last uh, game of commentary, people may remember he was complaining bitterly 
that Simon Grayson, one, hadn't signed him and Doyle, Michael Doyle. Has Doyle now gone to Sheffield United? Doyle has now gone to Sheffield United. And um, and he was also complaining that Simon Grayson hadn't been calling him. Um, (laughs) And so since then, uh, Gary McSheffrey has scored one goal. A striker, Gary McSheffrey, who claims he should have signed for Leeds, presumably played instead of Becchio, one goal. And it's worth pointing out that during the same period between uh, that game and this one, another player at Coventry who scored one goal, Michael Doyle. Um, <laughs> so a striker with the with the strike rate of Michael Doyle. I don't know if the message has got through to you yet, Gary McSheffrey, about why Simon Grayson isn't on the phone to you all the time. <laughs> There's a phone going off in this podcast. <laughs> and it isn't, it's Simon Grayson. Wanting, wanting to tell Gary McSheffrey to, to get stuff. So yeah, Michael, Michael's uh, the criminal. We'll, we'll, he'll be in a disciplinary after this class. Oh, it is. But um, yeah, back to it. So, so we'll have a. So we don't have to worry about um, who's playing in the defence because uh, McSheffrey won't score. Um, <laughs> you not said that. He's, he's gone and said it. Look, I hope you're going to personally turn up and kneecap him outside the ground now <laughs> on his way in. Won't be necessary. You won't score. Marlon King might. If he doesn't, it'll make. Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, not go there. No, uh, he's, he was convicted. Got, we can say. It. <laughs> well, we haven't got Neil Collins at the back, so doesn't matter. So chance he might not score. Michael Doyle could play in defence for Leeds, and Gary McSheffrey wouldn't score on there in that game. Who's on for a cheeky ten pound bet for a for a McSheffrey? Hat Gary McSheffrey probably, but he wouldn't win it because he's rubbish. <laughs> oh, He'll back himself to score in every game. Probably goes into every game thinking I'm going to score a hat trick. Probably comes out of every game thinking I just scored a hat trick. But what he doesn't realise is he hasn't scored a hat trick because he's shit. And the only person who doesn't know it is is Gary. I haven't scored a hat trick. Do- uh, McSheffrey, <laughs> Gary Doyle, <laughs> Gary Doyle, <laughs> Gary Doylery, Gary the eponymous hero. <laughs> So, yeah, looking Gary, forward. one goal, McDoylery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Moscow, White, Moscow White's yeah. just unravelling in, in, the, in the studio. We're going to give him a bit of breathing space. Right, the Bristol City uh, away. We're going for a little romantic trip away, Michael. Oh, it's going to be lovely. It's we, going we've, to be... booked, we've booked a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be... Uh... Oh, it's the, it's the, uh, the honeymoon suite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a few people in this room. Um, any members of staff at the Bristol Travel Lodge. Um, those are my oversized children that me and Dan have, have adopted <laughs> and that's why there are four of us in this family room so it should be cosy but I'm sure we'll uh, we'll we'll pull it off somehow getting people in the room I mean yeah it'll be fun um, we're so what are we doing there Moscow um, should we trip around Ikea just keep your phones yeah, handy we... for the bail <laughs> we'll find you for bail it's worth saying I have stayed at that travel lodge before so if there is you might be on their barred list yeah. you've got previous <laughs> I woke up last time with there was an, an emergency escape chair and <laughs> stuff in my room, so it, it wasn't my fault though. I slept through all this. I don't I don't know where all this stuff would come from. Yeah, what do we think about the game then? Is David James still playing for Bristol City? He's trying. Just retire halfway through the game. I could see that happening for instance one day. Just having just walking off slowly towards the tunnel. Oh no, we've got three games here that we should win. But we've said that before. This is the. Uh, this is the horrible veg at the side of a, a mediocre Sunday roast that is the championship. <laughs> That's a nice analogy. Whole Coventry in Bristol. So. Is there any meat on the turkey? <laughs> this, the turkey's been picked clean. Which Jeffrey's not scoring. <laughs> we, we, we. Yeah, that's what's going on. Nine, nine points from nine for Leeds United, no goals for Gary McSheffrey, and I predict um, goals for Leeds from Michael Johnson and this uh, <laughs> Southern fellow that we're apparently getting. <laughs> Well, it's, hard, it's hard to argue with any of that. Yeah, incisive, incisive. So that's a, a wild, possibly drug fueled prediction for nine points from nine. Yeah. Okay, write that down. There we go. Nine points. Moscow White says so. Put me down for four. Four yeah. points. Oddie. Who are we going to lose to? Ah, uh, probably Coventry. Now you've said all that about McSheffrey. <laughs> Two wins and a draw. I'll go for. But I'm not saying which way. Is that seven points? <laughs> Two wins. And, yep, seven points. We're very brave, aren't we? Well, he's the one who records we're getting promoted. Right. You've oh, said yeah. nine, you've said seven, you've said four. I'll say two points. Then we've pretty much guaranteed that we're going to get it right somewhere or another. So with some points in the bag, possibly, unless we lose all three, we'll look forward to the next fortnight. Why not get in touch then and tell us what you think we're going to do? You can email us via podcast at the squareball.net. We're on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. We would love to hear from you. If only so, you can better our ridiculous... Poor, ill-researched uh, predictions. My, my prediction is well-researched. I know everything there is to know about Gary McSheffrey, <laughs> and he will not score. 
Issue six of the Square Ball magazine. A few copies left of that one. It's not going to be on sale versus Coventry. The last few remaining are online only. Uh, you can buy that at the squareball.net. Quick rundown of the stuff that's featuring in the magazine. The cover story, I'm going to get this wrong again. Looking for Kitabjian, which is the Paris 75 referee. Good article there from the beatengeneration.co.uk. Uh, the Steve Firth article about hating the scum and your response, Moscow White, which has caused consternation on the internet. Mayhem, if you will. Um, I think the mayhem on the internet was mostly caused by uh, Steve's initial article, which suggested a, a soft attitude towards um, the filth from over the Pennines. Um, I provided an alternative view, and it's all good reading. And two overseas adventures. You've got the Whites in Washington tale. Uh, we've actually got the Whites in Washington VHS. Um, Michael passed it over to, to Moscow White for your viewing. I'm looking forward to watching that when I get home later, and then looking forward to see where peeling my eyelids away from my eyeballs. If you fast forward through <laughs> the game footage, it's actually quite an interesting video. But, but the I'd game p- footage is about three quarters of it. I'd miss a Derek Lilly goal if I did that. When was it, was this at the back end of the 96-97 season, was it, they went to America? Yeah. And you'd also yeah. miss a magnificent crossfield ball from Mark Jackson. Does Pierre Laurent play? Is he there? He does. He's in, does there's, he quite, there's quite an extensive interview with him. That'll be interesting. Thrilling stuff. <laughs> so the, the other adventure abroad, of course, is Trezor Candle's Adventures in Spain. Fantastic reading, if you it's, want to know what Trezor's been getting up to. It's Spain. worth pointing out that all the uh, brouhaha about Jermaine Pennant forgetting his Porsche in uh, was it in Zaragoza um, is as nothing compared to the fun that Trezor Candle got up with his motor car in Spain. Has he signed for anyone yet, by the way? No. You thought there'd be a whole host of major clubs ringing him up today? Across the continent. <laughs> if if Adebayor doesn't work out at Real Madrid, then um, they lost at the weekend. They may need a striker. There is a chance. And they've got a big car park. So we're uh, we're working on issue seven of the Square Ball magazine. That will be on sale from the Norwich game. There's going to be some good stuff in there. We've got fingers crossed that we're going to have the Howard Wilkinson interview ready. Yeah. We're um, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and... And, uh, and rewriting it as we speak. Making sure he's happy with it. <laughs> yeah, just joking aside, it is probably worth mentioning on this podcast right now that we've got uh, an interview with Howard Wilkinson coming up. And it's absolutely fascinating stuff, particularly when he speaks about uh, Thorpe Arch, what happened under the Fotherby and Silver regime and all that sort of thing. It's, it's a brilliant, it's an absolute must read if you're a Leeds fan, which I'm hoping you are. And if you're not, actually, it's still fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Howard's going to approve that and uh, and we'll get it out there to the world. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that one published because the man, I think he probably deserves a statue or a stand naming after him, doesn't he? Not a, and maybe not a restaurant. You can get the magazine in person at Ellen Road. Obviously, it's not on sale, as we just said, um, against Coventry, but you can get the next issue from the Norwich game. It's on sale at the external corners of the ground. You can also get the magazine online in paper or digital format via the website. That's the squareball.net. Also on the uh, on the website, thesquareball.net, is the brand new blog which has just been launched and is proving pretty successful so far. Uh, loads of original writing on there and the best bits of the magazine from seasons gone by. Someone do a, a quick sell on it. Uh, we referred to the, um, the Andy Hughes thing um, uh, related to Billy Bremner is on there. And also um, we had wind of um, Gwyn Williams uh, raising some questions about the future of Thorpe Arch at uh, Leeds on the Road event. So we used... Um, we use the the worries about that to sort of remind people about the the fiasco that is the ownership of, of what is Howard Wilkinson's legacy to Leeds United. So that's on the blog. Um, <laughs> so there's all sorts of cheerful <laughs> stuff like that. And then there's um, oh, Steve First done uh, done quite a bit about um, what Leeds United means. And uh, and uh, Dan Dan somebody has written a that was um, me a good uh, two part epic. <laughs> Which you could talk about. I could, yes, I will. It was about here. falling in and out of love with Leeds United and how, well, since probably maybe 10 years ago, they just kept kicking us in the balls as we fell and then we got a little bit of hope because something good happened, like we got a new manager or a new board came in and it was all, well, they were all red herrings and we continued to slide, but all of a sudden now it feels like we're back on the up and it's just about how I feel about Leeds. And I'm currently in the process of scanning in all the old magazines, so I will start drip feeding more, more of the... 20-year-old opinions on there. People complain. I've already put one thing on about everyone complaining about the uh, the way fans are treated and £13.50 a ticket being ridiculous. Scandalous. Uh, no one will ever pay It'll that. Work. No. Uh, that's from the 93-94 season. Quite interesting some of the stuff there to look, to look back on and realise we still complain about exactly the same things. Yeah, loads of bits and bats on there. Do check out the new blog. And if you fancy, you know, having something put on the blog, why not write it and send it to us? 
Uh, you can find all the contact details and the blog itself on the squareball.net. Well, we're slated in to come back for the next podcast in two weeks' time, which rather unfortunately falls on Valentine's Day on Monday the 14th of February, so that's going to go down particularly well. Dead by Tuesday the 15th, yeah. if we do. Podcast, so, it might never make it to air. A weekend in Bristol, followed by <laughs> podcast, followed by putting a magazine together. Oh dear. We'll have plenty of free time when we're single anyway, won't we, yeah. to... To get hey, all this sorted. We'll have each other. Well, if it's if it's any consolation, it's uh, my dad's wife's birthday tomorrow night. The whole match, and he's coming to the football, <laughs> leaving for work in the morning because he works in Beverly, and coming down to the football to meet me. Is your dad Richard Keys? Not to the best of my knowledge, but uh, moving on. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us via all sorts of ways. All the contact details can be found on the website, thesquareball.net, but you can email us, podcast at thesquareball.net, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter. Um, and I think that pretty much brings us to the end of Podcast 23. Snod pod. Quick check of the internet then before we do go uh, to see if anything's happened in terms of players coming into Leeds. There's a rumour about Southern coming in from Blackpool that we did mention earlier. We're going to be right. Well, history will prove us either right or wrong, but we're out of time here on the Square Ball Podcast, so I will say farewell as we get ready to trot off to Hull. Goodbye from Michael Normanson. All right. Moscow White. I'm just going down the club shop for my uh, Keith Southern 18 t shirt. (laughs) And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll see you next time on Podcast 24 in a fortnight. Have a great time. We'll see you later. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 